The rain is very loud. Yeah, nothing I can do about that. Good morning, and welcome to episode 196 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am Ben Lindberg, and in rainy Long Beach, California, as you can probably hear, uh, is Sam Miller. Hello, Sam. Hi, Ben. What's your topic? Scott Casimir. Okay. Uh, I thought we could talk about the Angels a little bit, which oh. is always good because I know that, that you'll you'll handle the bulk of it because you're an Angels guy. It's interesting because I just wrote about Scott Casimir before tomorrow, and I almost wrote about the Angels instead, but I thought I would do that later this week. Okay, but well, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. It's not. I didn't have anything to say yet. So all right. may, we'll see if I do. Okay, you can use this as a, a proving ground for your article. Yeah, everybody can hear me stumble along through a rough draft. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, who goes first? I'll start okay. just because uh, there's not much to say about mm-hmm. Scott Casimir, but um, Casimir uh, pitched this weekend. He um, he got the win. Uh, he struck out seven and walked one, which qualifies it as a pretty good start. And that was just unthinkable to me a couple years ago um, because I watched him completely break down first in the majors and then in the minors and then in the Dominican League and then uh, disappear and go work on a television show as like a assistant producer or something like that. And uh, it really seemed like he was done, that he didn't really have all that much. I mean, I, I didn't know this. I didn't talk to him or anything, but based on you know what he was doing in his life, it seemed like uh, he would have been perfectly happy um, uh, leaving all that failure behind. And so it's sort of shocking and fairly admirable that he uh, he did the long thing. He did the long road back, um, and he's back. So um, I watched uh, I watched his start, and to be honest, it, it's not that impressive. Um, there's no there's there's no there's no like I don't know. The, the, it's not like you look at him and say, wow, he, he's back. He's one fix away from, uh, from being an all-star again. Um, I, I, I don't think there's all that much that's exciting about him, but he is now a completely, I think a completely credible starting pitcher, which I didn't really expect in spring training when he came to camp. Uh, but he, he hit 95, Hmm. um, which is like, you know that's a lot. I mean, if you're a <laughs> yes, lefty, that is very impressive. If you're a lefty and you're throwing 95, then you have jobs for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he um, he hit 94, I think, five or six times, and uh, he probably sat 92 to 93 with his four seamer. And there's some things that are a little different about him. Um, for instance, he has uh, he has gone back to throwing a two seamer, which he had scrapped. Uh, and he, he really only threw for one year in his career. He has developed a, a slow curveball that he never threw before, and he rarely throws now, but he does have it. Uh, and he has some more trust in his slider, and he's gone back, a, you know, to a little bit to his old mechanics. But basically, he's the same old Scott Casimir, who's going to be a bit maddening at times, has trouble uh, locating pitches, has good enough stuff to get away with some of them, but not good enough stuff to dominate without some location. And, uh, you know, he basically looks like every team's fifth starter right now, which is uh, amazing because, fifth, uh, you know, every team's fifth starter usually makes like three or four million dollars. And uh, yeah, it just it didn't occur to me a few years ago that Scott Casimir would ever be worth uh, three or four million dollars. Yeah, you wrote that article about who would have more wins from that point. It was it was Casimir, Pryor, and Moyer. 
I think. What, yes. Yeah, and I don't remember. What did you conclude? I concluded that Moyer was the most likely. This was just before last season started. Mm -hmm. Moyer was the, the favorite, and I actually picked Pryor over Kazmir. Mm -hmm. uh, while acknowledging that the Dontrell Willis precedent, uh, and to a lesser degree, actually, the Pryor precedent, um, uh, basically guaranteed that Kazmir would get lots of chances if he wanted them. Uh, but there didn't look like there was all that much will on his part. And even if he got lots of chances, it didn't really look like he was going to be able to make the most of them to get back into a big league rotation. His last start in the big leagues before this year, he averaged 86 with his fastball. Mm -hmm. uh, and he is basically always kind of been, you know, Zito wild, but with great stuff and the stuff was completely gone. So it was interesting because I read a, an interview that, um, David, uh, Lorela. Yeah. Is that, it was, is mm -hmm. that, is that you would put the stress on the lore? Yes. Okay. So David Lorela did on an interview with him in 2010, which was, um, just after he'd been traded to the Angels, he had had uh, sort of his first bad year the year before. Um, but there was enough positive in it that, that you didn't think that it was necessarily going to be a bad, you know, that he had a bad future going forward. I mean, the Angels gave up legit stuff for him at the trade deadline. Um, and he looked like, you know, a guy who was locked up for three years and could be a pretty decent by-low candidate. Um, he came to the Angels, was really good for him down the stretch. His velocity had dropped early in the season and then come back, which suggested that he was hurt. Um, and uh, when he went on the DL, he, he kind of got the velocity back. So he did this interview with David, and he talks a lot about his style of pitching and what he's going to do going forward. And it's sort of interesting to read in retrospect because a lot of the things he's describing um, were, uh, I don't know, they, they sort of like felt like, honest spins on his declining stuff like he was still at that point coming to grips with the fact that he didn't have his stuff like David asked him if you know location is less important for a guy like them with for a guy like him with with great stuff mm -hmm. and you know at the time we didn't really know it but Casimir's stuff had had basically disintegrated uh, there were hints at the time and, you know, within a couple weeks, we would know that he was essentially a completely broken down pitcher. And so a lot of the things that he talked about um, apply more kind of in retrospect than they do now. Uh, I mean, than they did at the time, uh, because now we know what what Casimir uh, was was talking about. We know that his slider was undergoing some changes that. Uh, he was, you know, when he cl he claimed that he had kind of solved his mechanics, and we know now that he was actually uh, kind of at the beginning of that spiral of madness that sometimes comes when you completely lose your mechanics, and it would take years before he would get his mechanics. And he talked about he, how he was healthy again, and we know now that he wasn't healthy again at all, although he might be now. So um, I don't know. It's uh, you know, pitchers. Uh, it'd be interesting to. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know how you. You look at this narratively, but uh, when you think about a pitcher from the age of you know twenty to the age of forty, it's it's not like one reinvention, which is sometimes how you know like a guy like Frank Tanana or Tommy John will will they'll talk about how he had to reinvent himself because mm -hmm. he he lost. It's not one reinvention. It's it's oftentimes it's like seven reinventions, mm -hmm. uh, and so Casimir was in the middle of one, and it took a couple of more before he got back to where he is now. I, my I, I mean, he's clearly the leader in the Moyer 
prior Casimir sweepstakes right. right now. I mean, it's not even close. He's he's probably going to end up with uh, somewhere between like four and eleven wins <laughs> going forward. Mm-hmm. So clearly, you would bet on him. Uh, but I mean, I, I, RJ also wrote about him, and uh, neither one of us thinks he's 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 great. I think we're we're both sort of declaring him a number four starter. And, and I look at that as a more optimistic thing. And RJ looks at it as a sort of sad, depressing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see him also being a reliever, although he, he hasn't relieved. I was going to say lot. that it's surprising to me that none of the reinventions that he's undergone so far has been that one. He, I mean, he yeah. hasn't, he's never, he's never come out of the bullpen in a game in the minors. And, and the only one time he did it in the majors was his rookie season. And it, it surprises me that, that at no point when he was just kind of a complete mess and and a lefty who I mean you'd, you'd think that at some point some team would try him in the bullpen as as I mean they tried that with Dontrell he didn't really go for it but um, that seems to be kind of a natural step when someone looks as lost as as he did. Yeah, it does, and I don't know if it's that he didn't want to do. He didn't want to go there yet. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe that's not the career he wants to have, uh, or um, uh, well, I don't know. I don't know why he didn't do it. But I mean, I, I guess uh, it was probably maybe the right move to not do it yet. You want to do it? Well, I guess it depends what your philosophy is. You you either want to do it as late as possible because you're still hoping he can pan out, but on the other hand. Uh, you know, who knows, maybe he would have been a dominant reliever or at least a valuable one, and he just wasted three years of possible productivity in his career. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, uh, you know, Oliver Press is only 31. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so it wouldn't totally surprise me if um, if this doesn't work perfectly or if he has any durability issues or, if it, you know, if it just doesn't work, and I'm not, I'm not at all convinced it will work. Uh, in fact, I'm probably more convinced that it won't work. It wouldn't surprise me if within a year or two he's a reliever, uh, it's probably I would think it's probably easier for him to to do the transition now that he's in the majors because he kind of has that that self-image again mm-hmm. of of having worked his way back. I mean, I, I don't know if he would have it seems like it would have been harder to go to independent ball mm-hmm. and learn learn to be a reliever there and because then you'd just be thinking, I mean, really, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, once you go to the bullpen, you're kind of on your last legs i mean there's no there's nowhere to go from there really uh so now i mean even if he struggles as a starter there's still sort of there's still one one last cure that that they can try with him yeah uh, mm-hmm. so there's there's somewhere for him to go from there so is a lefty who throws 95 while starting so yes. he's gonna get you know help. I, I guarantee you he throws at least one game of relief before it's all done yeah definitely all right uh angels um so the Angels lost on Sunday. They dropped three out of four uh, to the Orioles, and they now go to play the Astros, which is, I guess, the only team with a worse record than they have in the American League. Or actually, I guess the, the Blue Jays have lost one more game than the Angels have, so uh, technically they are worse also. Um, but, I mean, the Angels are really interesting because... The BP staff, including you and I, picked them as as the winners of the AL West this year, uh, and we we did a podcast, and I don't remember what the topic was exactly, but we we talked about how the Angels were just kind of 
locked in to their current roster, like like they had less flexibility than maybe any other team. Uh, right. Just... They every 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 uh, I think every starting position player that they have has been signed to an extension. Yeah. Now for multiple years. Right. And so or, or else is like uh, at a trout slash trumbo level of pre-arbitration. Yeah. And of course uh, they have maybe the worst farm system in baseball. It was ranked the, the worst by Jason Parks this year. Um, no for no first round pick this year. Yeah. Again. So, I mean, for better or worse, they are, they are kind of who they are. It seems that they are stuck being who they are for the foreseeable future. And I guess when we talked about it last time, I don't know that we thought it was for worse, really. I don't remember what spin we put on it, but uh, but after their start this season, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in in what you think will happen for the rest of this season, but I'm also interested in, you know, I mean, if 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 you find this, this season to be, uh, or their start to this season, and it's just 30 games, um, but just looking at kind of the pitchers that they are running out there these days, uh, if you've even heard of them, um, which half the time I haven't, uh, is, is I mean, it's kind of hard to, to be as optimistic as I was about them six weeks ago, just kind of seeing what their roster looks like right now and, and seeing what some of their core players have, have looked like to this point. Albert Pujols didn't play in, in that Sunday game. He was resting his foot. You've been doing a, a series at BP on just... Albert Pujols playing through pain and and how painful it is for us to watch him, um, and so I, I don't know what what is your what is your thought on whether they can salvage this season and if if not if I mean if if you find this to be a, a very bad sign and and maybe Pujols and Hamilton will never be what they were again and. Uh, then what do they do or can they do anything or do they just kind of have to stick with with this roster and just go down with the ship if it goes down and just hope it doesn't? I mean, if, is there any sort of remedy to this or is it just kind of hope things get better? Well, first, I should note that I have no I have no credibility on this. I mean, I've been I've been beating the Angels drum for the last uh, year and year and a half. Uh and, uh, you know, I, I think I said at the end of last year that I thought that they still might be the best team in the American League, even though they missed the playoffs. And I think I said as much before the start of this season. So I, uh, you know, at a certain point, uh, you know, people should stop asking me. <laughs> uh, but we've actually had a couple of questions about this for the for the email show over the last couple of weeks. And I don't think we've, we've answered it either time, but it was basically if the Angels are are sellers at the trade deadline um you know who's who's movable and part of the problem is that the angels have a a self-image that doesn't allow that i mean it would really have to be pretty bad and sort of in the same way that it had to get really bad before the red sox were willing to you know to to sell i think Mm -hmm. at the trade deadline and and it, it did get to that point and they did make the move and i think it was probably for the best for them um the it's hard to it's it's sort of hard it, it, well i guess it's it's not hard to diagnose what's wrong with the angels uh the the reasons are fairly simple one is that you know they've had a lot of injuries and that they've also had some um particularly their pitching staff and they've had some badly timed extra innings games and so basically what has happened is that every member of their 40-man roster uh has had to pitch and so uh 
like you said, the names that have come up are not names like I had never heard of Michael Roth. Um, mm-hmm. And I wrote the Angels chapter. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I, Michael Roth, I don't think, was in their top 30 prospects before mm-hmm. the season began. Um, and he wasn't on their 40 man. And he had like something like like 12 professional innings or something like that. Dane De La Rosa. Um, Dane De La Rosa was part of the, uh, the uh, trade with the Rays. And uh, so he's he's new and he's got a lively arm. Uh, he's been kind of good. The problem. I mean, so if, if there's one thing that I, I think Sosha is getting a lot of criticism right now from Angels fans who revered him just a couple of years ago. And if there's one gripe with Sosha that I think is fair, it's that he does get kind of attached to mediocre arms over the course of small samples and then uh you know, he, I think he really believes in in the hot hand theory, and usually, um, you know, he gets burned. And so right now, Dane De La Rosa is getting worked like crazy, and Dane De La Rosa is just so-so. Mm-hmm. Anyway, though, that Dane De La Rosa is not the problem. Uh, they've had the injuries. They've had, um, you know, a pitching staff that is uh, probably been worse than expected, um, especially in the rotation. It wasn't expected to be good. It was expected to be fairly poor, but I think it's been even worse than that, partly because Weaver's been gone and partly because Joe Blanton and Tommy Hansen are both really bad. They were kind of reclamation projects who didn't pay off or haven't paid off yet. And then, uh, you know, Hamilton has been not just a disappointment, but one of the worst players in baseball, one of the 10 or so worst players in baseball. And Pujols has been not just disappointing like he was kind of disappointing last year, but he has been completely broken down and can't hardly play. So that's the problem. All of those are issues that it's still too early to say, or I guess it's from our vantage point difficult to say how real they are. They should get healthier. Weaver, I think, is supposed to be back in a couple weeks. Um, You know, I still think that Blanton is probably capable of eating innings at something better than a 6 ERA. And Hamilton is essentially doing what he did last year. He's just doing it a lot worse. And uh, there's not an easy explanation for that unless you just think his career is over. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I guess that's a lot of stuff that didn't answer your question. Your question was what? how do they get out of this cycle? Yeah, I guess. I mean, if you think that they will pull themselves out of it, then then maybe they they don't need to get out of it. Maybe it's it's still a, a good thing that they have everyone locked in. But when you looked at at how how much Hamilton has struggled over the last year and how I mean just Pujols' physical condition um, and the lack of prospects and draft picks, it I mean you could see it potentially getting really bad. Yeah, for a while. Well, the, there's a it, there's a story you could tell where things just get ugly. Yeah, well, this is the easy. These are the easy years. I mean, all the, right. all these contracts are backdated or back sorry are backloaded. So I think I tweeted this a couple of days ago, but um, they wish I'm, they were I'm backdated. Gonna, I'm gonna yes, I'm gonna botch the numbers here, but basically, uh, Pujols, Hamilton, Wilson, Weaver, I think are paid sixty million this year, and in like two or three years, those same four players are going to be getting $100 million. Yeah, They're I'm gonna... looking at the, the cuts page right now. In, in 2016, uh, Hamilton, Weaver, Pujols, Wilson are due like $107 million. Exactly. And so so that, like, like those are, those. this is supposed to be the time when everything is awesome. <laughs> right. H- Kendrick and Ibar uh, and Kiaspo, 
are all 29 this year. They just signed three and four and five-year extensions. So these are supposed to be the good years. Ionetta is a catcher. He's 30. He signed the extension and because it's supposed to be awesome right now like it's really lousy that they can't that they're not winning right now because they're they're supposed to be taking on the the sort of disappointment and inflexibility of the future mm-hmm. later in exchange for having this really awesome team now and then you know hopefully figure it out as they go um but they're obviously they're not taking advantage of it right now and they probably aren't going to. I mean, this year, it's extremely unlikely that they're going to win at this point. This year is almost a lost season. Um, they Their playoff odds have dropped from, I don't know what they were at the beginning of the year, but something like 70% or 60% to like... 20-ish. 20-ish. I think it was 20-ish before today. Yeah, it was 23 or so before today's yeah, loss. So, so probably cl- basically getting cl- down into the teens, and you might argue that, well... You, you might argue that that's optimistic, but only because we're dumb and we think that computers are bad. Uh, so how do they get out of this spiral? How do they get out of this cycle? How do they uh, win in three or four years? Um, well, it's really hard to say. I mean, one advantage that they have is that they get to spend a lot more money than everybody else. So the biggest downside to these contracts is that you have to spend money on non-production even if you take a couple of these contracts, turn them into zero, uh, you get no value out of them whatsoever, the Angels still have more that they can spend than any other team in their division. Uh, they will, you know, if, if, if Albert Pujols, uh, uh, you know, if, if he got so bad that they, they actually waived him and ate his contract, they would still have more money to spend than the Rangers do and a lot more money than the A's. So... That's one thing that they get to do is they just get to be richer than everybody else. Um, they, I, geez, I don't know. Uh, off the top of my head, it's hard for me to say what they do. Um, the core of this team still feels to me like it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, they still have, uh, you know, Trout, Trumbo, Borges is still uh, a nice trio of fairly young guys, um, and nobody's that old except for except for for Albert's getting there um but gosh I don't I'm really struggling to say anything of value here I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, I, I wasn't wasn't expecting a I mean the solution off the top it doesn't of your look head, good but, yeah. I mean I, yeah I I would guess I mean I would not at this point uh I would not say that they have a better than 50 percent chance of winning the division uh before 2015 and it could get really ugly after that you do or not Brendan Harris though I mean if they look they might move in three years they might their lease expires in Anaheim they might move to LA and they might increase their payroll to 250 million at that point mm-hmm. who knows what they'll do it's hard to say I, I mean when they signed Josh Hamilton I did the transaction analysis of that and the idea that I looked at in that piece was whether um, we can really analyze anything anymore because the disparity between small and big markets makes it almost impossible to use a f- uh, to, to evaluate these deals um, the same way for two teams that basically the angels have done nothing but take on one horrible contract every year for the last five years but every time they do it well, who cares? You know, they can. They, there's another one coming off the books, or they just raise payroll. And so they, when they traded for Vernon Wells, it was supposed to end their um, ability to go out and sign high-priced free agents. The next year, they got Pujols and Wilson, 
And then that was supposed to end it. And the next year they got Josh Hamilton, and in between they traded for Zach Granke. So, I mean, it's really hard to know where the limits are for this team. It's um, I, I suppose that the answer for them is that they just keep spending until they're out of it. I mean, usually spending money, if you're a smart team, which they seem to be, or at least they seem to have a good front office, good GM, good people around the GM. Usually if you're, a, you know, if you spend more money, um, it's not a foolproof plan. It often backfires. There are poor teams that win and there are rich teams that lose. But money does correlate to success to some degree, and they should still have more of it than anybody else in the future. Mm-hmm. I have been wondering what Pujols and Hamilton would sign for right now if they were free agents again. It's, uh, it's an it's interesting question because, I mean, they, as you said, usually it takes several years for these deals to, to start looking like, I mean, like a, a real weight around a team's neck. And now we are just a little over a year into an endless pools contract and we're like 30 games into a, a Hamilton contract that I guess some people questioned when it was signed. And now that... I mean, it's maybe we're still in confirmation bias territory, but just the fact that he has looked basically like he did last year, but worse, um, just kind of supports the the narrative that he's just not a guy who's going to age well, and he's at a point where he's going to age poorly, and and so far it looks like that's what he's been doing. Um, yep. So I wonder, just today, how many how many years could these guys get? I mean, yeah, well, we fewer. hated. Yeah, we hated the Hamilton deal the day it was signed, but I don't hate it much more now than I did then. I think that the problem with the Hamilton deal is the same as it was then, and I personally uh, haven't changed my opinion of Hamilton all that much. I, I, you know, I like I don't think there's a whole lot different between him this year and that, and, and last year, except mm-hmm. for results. Now, Albert, though, I mean, when you think about Albert. You think about the Mike Napoli deal where he he signed with the Red Sox for was it three and thirty nine. And then his, and then it, then it, he failed his physical, and he got one and five. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I mean, I obviously haven't seen Albert's medical records, but my guess is that uh, that uh, if if he and Napoli's physicals were in a class, Napoli would set the curve, and and Albert would would you know have to get tutorials. <laughs> I I think that it's really hard to figure what he would get because any team that signed him would look at his 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 medical records. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't, I don't know how much a team would would invest in him right now. My guess is that it would be uh, whatever he signed if he were a free agent right now. My guess would be short and incentive laden. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the current issue that he's dealing with is something that he's had for a while, right? I mean, on and off. The the yeah, it's hard to say. There's there's the plantar fasciitis he's had on right. and off for a while. But um, the knee stuff that he had last off season was supposed to be pretty minor, and I think that they thought that his recovery from that has is really a lot of what has exasper- exacerbated the plantar fasciitis this year. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that it's um, my guess is that well, not my guess. Uh, I don't want to say that I'm all that confident that we've necessarily ho- heard the full story. I mean, I, I think Albert has. Uh, you know, pretty blatantly downplayed this in the media, despite all the appearances on the field. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it just it wouldn't shock me to find out in a couple weeks or a couple days or whatever that there's something a lot worse going on with his legs. Uh, you know, there's there's something going on in his in his in his in his lower body 
that has gotten worse and that doesn't seem to be getting better. All right. Well, <laughs> that was depressing. Uh, okay. So that's our first show of the week. Uh, email us at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. We will get to your emails in a couple days and we'll be back tomorrow.